0: Hello everyone and welcome back. As always, I'm your girl, Candy Washington. And before we dive into today's episode of Sugar Pills, the self-care podcast, where I cannot wait to help you lead a more joyful life. And I have a beautiful absolutely beautiful guest with me today. But before we dive in, if you need more support, you can always join our Facebook group. And we also have a ton of courses on self-love, self-worth, and lifestyle design. Just check out the courses down below. And we also have a free self-love guide. If you just want to start your self-love journey, definitely grab that. And if you do, you get on our free uh, newsletter. And then it also, you can book me for some one-on-one coaching. So that's just if you need extra support on your journey journey and all of that is linked down below. So with that, let's dive in. I have the beautiful Sophie Keitzman. Keitzman I hope I'm
1: saying
0: <laughs> <Keitzman>. <laughs> with us. She is a dynamic photographer and she's also going to talk about body body positivity and other um, topics. So welcome Sophie.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So do you want to share with us just a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, I would love to. Um, well, hi, everybody. I'm Sophie, or well, it's totally fine if you say Sophie, <laughs> but um, I've, as you probably heard from the last name, I'm originally from Germany. Yes. Um, that's where I grew up in Berlin. And, but I went to international school in Brussels for a couple years when I was very young. So I grew up with a lot of American culture and a super diverse cultural. Um, surroundings. And I think at one point we had kids from every nation in the world in that school. Wow. So uh, originally I'm German and my mother tongue is German, but um, I moved to the United States. I think it's been like five years now um, because I wanted to follow my dream of becoming a freelance photographer. And I was obsessed with fashion and beauty. And that's kind of the world that I wanted to get into. And um, I grew up idolizing New York City in, from yeah. the way it was shown in the media, and um, fell in love with the city when I first came here, and I've been here ever since.
0: I love that you talk about like New York City being sort of romanticized through media, and I yeah. feel like that's what you do with photography. You know, you you can romanticize a person or an idea of a story sure. through image or or video. So, how do you how do you do that with, you know, your photography and your images? How do you create the essence of a person or a place?
1: Well, I think photography is always a platform that uplifts people, ideally. Mm-hmm. And in combination with media, it kind of elevates a person, especially the way that we photograph people, the way we consume advertisement, commercials and stuff like that. It's always this idea of having a person and... um putting them on a pedestal almost, which can have really amazing benefits, but also, you know, negative connotations if it's done in a toxic way, Um, which I became aware of very quickly when I started working in the commercial industry. And um, I think in my own photography, I wanted to use that as a tool for myself and for the people that I felt like, you know, I should have seen more of when I was growing mm-hmm. up, people that I think we should be seeing more of um, when it comes to true representation. And I think photography is an amazing tool for that because, you know, we consume so many visuals on the day-to-day and if we can see people that we can identify ourselves with, um, even in their like perfect imperfections, <laughs> yeah, that's like a great platform and that's a great you know that's i think that's like the positive side of romanticizing or or empowering somebody visually
0: yeah and do you want to talk more about representation in media and in photography because i think like for me when i think about representation i think it's beyond the image and seeing it i think it's you you know like you're the person who's the photographer you're the executive you're the boss or the director or whatever, that actually represents the, the target audience, if that makes sense. Because I know like when you think about different advertisings, like what happened with like Kylie Jenner and the whole tone deaf thing with Pepsi, and it was like giving it to like a police officer, that was really weird. I know Dove has had some real tone deaf advertisements and things like that. And I think what it boils down to is that the people at the top don't actually represent the audience that they're trying to market to. And then that's where there's that disconnect, you know? So what do you think about um, representation and how do you define it for yourself?
1: I think that was a great example. I think right now we're in this stage in the industry where for the longest time, you know, it was so one note, one type of person, Mm -hmm. one type of woman, one type of body, one type of skin color, uh, one type of age, um, that was put on a pedestal in order to create this kind of um, commercial ambiguity, almost where you know, oh, if you buy this product, you'll be a little bit closer to this person that is special somehow. Right. And then that shifted because consumers, you know, were really getting tired of it, and we were starting to recognize the toxicity that it was creating in the pattern of our societies and our our you know societal structures and um then you know the consumer kind of now we want to see people that make us feel good about ourselves and brands are catching on to that mm-hmm. but they had you know the the especially the commercial photography industry is such a such a huge machine if you want to look at it that way so many yeah. so many brands so many organizations so many agencies there are these like old ancient (laughs) machines like well-oiled machines that have established themselves in this like hierarchical structure that works really well for them and where they have been able to hold a lot of power over so many Mm -hmm. people for so long and then all of a sudden they realized oh we have to shift and a lot of really tokenistic representations started popping up where they were like okay let's make ourselves look good at first where we'll take the person that everybody's you know more excited to see these days we'll put them on a on a billboard but behind the scenes the teams the people in power positions the creative structures behind it were all still so one note and yep. now i think i'm lucky enough that i think i'm getting into it at a point where brands are starting to catch on to that the end product like it it's hard to hide the fact that you know you can't just plaster somebody's face all over media and behind the scenes it, no change be occurring. Um, So I think I'm really lucky that now I work with a lot of brands that understand that diversifying the creative team is just as important, you know, because when you think about it, like imagine being a model on a commercial set for a campaign, you're standing in front of the camera well, the thing that the consumers don't see is that, like in that room, there's sometimes like up to eighty faces staring mm-hmm. at this person and working around this person, and all of that creates a sort of tone in the room. And I think ultimately, the what, like the way that the images are being created, the way that the person feels while they're being photographed, and the whole production of the end product, which is the campaign, really reflects literally every single person in the room. Like I started to realize that a couple of years ago where, you know, from the person that does the nails to the art director to, you know, the way the agent is treating their models, like all of these people have an effect on what we end up projecting into the world that thousands of consumers end up seeing, sometimes millions of people. Um, and I think that's where the real shift shows up in order to then have a different effect with the images that we're putting out in the world. No,
0: one hundred percent. And there was a lot of, you know, like actors and models finally speaking out yes. where they would say they would go on set and there was no hairdresser who knew how to do black hair. So they would always have to come and do their own makeup, do their own hair because the makeup artist didn't know they didn't have like the shades for their skin tone or they didn't know how to work with their hair and things like that. And so they always felt kind of left out. And these are like, you know, working actors, working models all the time. And they're like, yeah, there's nobody on set that can understand my skin, can understand my hair texture, can understand me. So of course, that's going to make them feel energetically different and other and less than. And then that will also come through the image or the video. And I agree with you about the toxicity of 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 images sometimes and i and i agree it's also getting a lot more positive when you were saying it was just like that one cookie cutter mold because if the media is just telling you this is what the example is of beauty this is what the example of a person who is worthy this is the example of a person who's lovable this is the person of the person who's desirable but that person doesn't look like me then i'm gonna think well then what's wrong with me So now I'm going to go and I'm going to buy that product. I'm going to buy that book. I'm going to buy that hair straightener. I'm going to buy that whatever. Because I'm trying to look like this, because what I'm really trying to do is to be good enough to be loved. Right? Because that's really the core of what it feels is like, I think as human beings, we're all just seeking love.
1: Yeah. And we want to be included in the, in the herd.
0: (laughs) You want to be included. You want to belong. It's like, I Mm -hmm. want to be good enough to be loved. And I want to know that I'm accepted and that I belong. It's like that longing to belong. But if nothing you can do looks like this cookie cutter type, then you're going to walk throughout the world feeling not good enough. Right. So I agree. I think what you're doing and what other creatives are doing now and other executives and all the people in the, you know, making those decisions, having the representation in someone like you and then in other people, and then it translates to the actual image and photography and video is changing the world. You know, it's making us feel better about ourselves. It's making us feel included. And it also makes us feel that like, we are uniquely accepted. You know, we don't have to look like a, a cookie cutter person, right? Oh, somebody looks like me is lovable. Somebody who looks like me is good enough. Somebody who looks like me is accepted. You know, somebody, not even just looks, somebody who acts like me or, you know, has the same ideas that I do or the same lifestyle that I have. That's okay. You know, and I think that is what really heals us as as humans because it makes us feel less alone and less separate and more lovable in our own uniqueness because it's okay just to be who you are. You don't have to look like anybody else or be anything other than just you know, who you're made to be. So I think what you're doing is really, really beautiful and really, really um, impactful. So do you wanna talk about maybe one of your favorite shoots that you've done, one of your favorite campaigns or anything that you worked on that really brought you joy?
1: Mm, Let me think about it real quick. Um, Recently, I did a collaboration with the Sage Center here in New York City. Uh, The Sage Center is an organization for LGBTQ elderlies Oh I love um, that. yes, they um, I think they were established in the 70s from people within the community for people in the community. Yeah. Because, you know, even just a generation ago, two generations ago, people from our community had basically no access to healthcare systems, no access to any governmental structures, whether it came to housing units or caretakers or whatever it was. So there was really a need within the community for people to show up for each other. And now this organization has grown into um, a nationwide huge organization that is so interconnected in all of the, um, uh, what's called like the, the social structures and um, they have housing units, soup kitchens, they do teaching classes, they have volunteer systems for, for, buddy systems where you can go in and spend time with the elderlies and stuff and I kind of found them by accident because I didn't know it was an elderly center and I showed up one day with a friend for an event and they were like you're not exactly 60 plus you know (laughs) but I was standing there and at the time I had (laughs) at the time I had um like a buzzed head and bleached hair so like white hair and there was this older lesbian woman standing there and she had the exact same haircut, but naturally white. <laughs> I love and it. And she was like, oh, I love your hair. And I was like, I love your I love hair. It. <laughs> I <laughs> and I was it. standing there and it was that interaction where I was like, oh, I don't have any people in my life from my own community that are older, that are significantly older than me. And... Mm-hmm. um. That's kind of what really drew my attention to them. And I started, you know, in their volunteer um, section. But then I was kind of thinking about it, I was like, what else can I volunteer? And I was like, oh, you have a skill, like you have a profession. So I reached out to their PR marketing person and kind of started there and being like, whatever you guys need, like, I'm here. I, and this is something that I have to offer. Um, and we ended up doing, a project that's kind of an ongoing project where we would go in this was right after the pandemic so it got postponed for like two years you know because they had to shut everything down publicly um yeah. which I imagine must have been very isolating especially for the elderly people there um yeah. but then we finally ended up being able to go in they have a housing unit in Manhattan and then they have one in the Bronx and I think one in Prospect Park or Greenpoint Um, so we would do we would do like an outdoor setup so that it was COVID safe and um, the elderlies would come and I would photograph them either alone or sometimes even with their partners and that project honestly changed my life because Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I have so many queer girlfriends that have told me oh yeah when I was younger like I never pictured my life past 30 because I didn't even know what that life would look like because there was no positive representation or if anything like so limited that, you know, it takes a certain, certain um, amount of representation in order for you to find that one example where you actually see yourself reflected. And I had, I had a really crazy moment too, when I was doing the photo shoot, I, there was an older air force veteran um, there and I immediately clicked with her. It was like, as if she was already my my adopted grandmother and she saw me for who I was and I didn't have to explain any of my identity to her because we were like, we saw each other and we were like, okay, I get you. I see you. Yeah. And I realized that I didn't know I was lacking that kind of experience and interaction until I had it in my life. Yep. And it, it somehow it like really healed a part of myself internally and um now i feel like i have because like my whole family lives in germany abroad so now i have all of these like pseudo adopted lesbian (laughs) and gay and trans grandmas and grandpas (laughs) as it should be and i
0: think that's such a beautiful example of of just humanity in general when you think about our our cultures and society it is the elders who pass on the wisdom to to the younger generation, you know, and to have that sort of connectivity of there is a future for me because you represent that future, you know, you're 60, 70 and 80, and I can, I see myself in you and you see yourself in me. And that's so powerful, you know, it's so powerful. And it, it also gives you hope that like, A, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. And there's a future and I'm accepted and that's okay. Just like you said, like you saw each other and I think that's so powerful and so and so important. And um, I see that your pronouns are they, them. Do you wanna talk about that a little bit? Like how how you identify and what does that mean for you and what was your journey was to that? Cause I would personally love to understand.
1: It was definitely a journey. At first I started using she, they pronouns because I, after I moved to New York City was the first time that I was really immersed in the queer community. Um, I, I personally came out as gay after I moved to New York City. And for the longest time back in Germany, I was living in straight relationships. I was really straight presenting because I had no access to that part of who I really was. It was not how I was raised. It was not the environment that I found myself in. Um, Again, the thing with representation, I didn't see any representation of who I could possibly be. And that was a very painful time for myself because I cut myself off from a lot of parts of myself and I denied myself a a lot of facets of who I am, Mm -hmm. especially, for example, when it comes to masculinity. Like, I was so... I was only embracing the feminine aspects of myself because it's what I was taught was acceptable in society, what would keep me safe, what would ultimately make me lovable, you know, like you said earlier. And then I moved to New York City and all of a sudden I, for the first time in my life, was surrounded by women and queer, non-binary people that were so empowered in being open and proud and honest with how they perceived themselves internally Mm-hmm. And making that visible on the outside and choosing language that felt affirming to them, whether that's pronouns or adjectives that you use to describe somebody. You know, not every woman wants to be called pretty, some people love to be called handsome, things like that. And it really opened my mind up to different possibilities. And around the same time, I started modeling actually. And I got signed to this really amazing modeling agency that has a gender fluid board and they're super diverse, super inclusive and very protective of the integrity of the identities of their talents. Yeah. Because it's such a vulnerable position and sometimes you never know what kind of set you're going to walk in on and if people are going to be at all educated about how to hold space for different identities. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of... That's kind of where it started for me where I was walking into rooms where I realized that there was a lot of ignorance towards identities and there was just like I would walk in and so many assumptions would be made about you right away just off the bat off of what they saw on paper about you or even just You walk in, you have a pretty face. Oh, here's your pink lipstick, those kind of things. And Mm -hmm. I really felt like I needed a language and I needed a statement about who I perceive myself to be in order to be seen more and recognized more. And using they, them pronouns or using gender neutral language made me feel safe in those spaces and... I know there's a lot of different reasonings behind people identifying either as non-binary or using non-binary pronouns. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what how it started for me. It's a difficult thing for me because in my mother tongue, there isn't even the language for non-binary people, really. A lot of people in Germany right now, they're reverting to the English language when they try to talk about their identities because they, them in German is the same as she, her, she, her singular, and she, her plural is the same. Wow. So there's, they're really trying to figure that out and language yeah. is so powerful, you know, and very powerful. Um, I think I have, I'm lucky enough where, you know, I live here and my community is here. My chosen family is here. So it felt like an easy choice to make. It's a little bit of a different story when I go back home, you know, that's something yeah. I'm still trying to figure out for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it's, and it, and it's funny because when you said, "Go back home," I know you're talking about Germany, but I yeah. think, but I think it's it, I, but I think it it's actually a metaphor for a lot of times when we feel that and and chosen family as well, when we sort of leave our nuclear family and we step out into the world, yeah and we can become who we actually are, you know, without criticism or judgment or feeling like, it's unsafe because a lot of times people going back home even like in the states it's unsafe you know they can't be home and they have other chosen families like there's a lot of you know um queer or lgbtqia or non-binary you know individuals who their homes in the united states aren't safe so even going back home it's not safe to talk about it you know but then you. Ha- but when they step out of it and they have their chosen family, it is the place where they can be who they are and feel safe and feel seen and feel validated and accepted for their, you know, uniqueness of being their own individual human being. So I think it's really interesting, you know, the the home and the chosen family language, yeah. <laughs> whether it's a country or whether it's. Texas or down the street somewhere, you never know. No, 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 no disrespect to Texas. The
1: home within ourselves, too, isn't it? It's like, also the
0: home within ourselves, yeah. 100%, because I also think a lot of times, whether it's identity or sexuality or race or gender or whatever the case may be, you're 100% correct. Sometimes even our home within ourselves aren't safe because we haven't learned yeah. to love ourselves and honor ourselves and and validate ourselves. And that's why the work we do with like self-love and self-care mm-hmm. is so important because it's a return to home within yourself. As, yes. I am okay and I am enough. And I think sometimes the hardest person to convince to accept you is yourself.
1: Absol- <laughs> you know? Oh my God, a hundred percent, yeah.
0: hundred percent.
1: I've been saying recently to some of my friends when I mm-hmm. talk about healing, A lot of the experiences I've been making over the last couple of years have felt like a homecoming. And I actually do use that word, you know, like you walk yourself home because you go back and you pick up the parts of yourself that you once had to leave behind because it was the only way you understood to keep yourself safe. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, now we have the power to look back and realize that that doesn't serve us anymore and that it leaves us compartmentalized within our within ourselves, you know
0: yeah and nobody deserves
1: to have to do that ever
0: Mm -hmm. no and it's like you were saying at the very beginning that you know you had to shut down different aspects of yourself you know and you were only allowing yourself to you know partake in like feminine things about yourself but not the masculine things and other aspects of yourself and if you think of yourself as a home you should be able to open any door and walk into that room, you know, walk yes. into your masculinity, walk into your femininity, walk walk into your duality or whatever it is, you know, and and have that room be a safe room in your house too, to go and plan and explore and and, and try new things. So I, I, and speaking of that, what do you, how do you define masculine and, and feminine energy or just how you feel about the, about the two different things or how do they work together? I'm not, I don't even know if I have an answer to that. It just popped in my head
1: while we were talking. You know what? I don't know if I have an answer to that either. <laughs> no either, yeah. Um, especially talking to my transgender friends and colleagues. I Every time I have a conversation around masculinity, femininity, the way that I perceive them, I am so in awe of the way that they perceive it, their definition of it. And I realize that the only language I have, the only the only Um, reference points I have are these um, societal structures that I was raised with Mm -hmm. and, you know, like the things that we typically define as feminine and masculine or at most maybe recognizing like my parents' inner children within myself. So like the little boy that my father was, I can somehow – within myself the little girl that my mother was I can find within myself because a lot of the ways that they operated and the way that they raised me and the way that they taught me love and existence in our societal structures came from their own inner children as well and the way that they learned to fit in and, and and be certain parts of who they had access to within themselves yeah so A lot of my healing journey and a lot of my non-binary identity was a process of remembrance of, you know, finding my own inner child that is is masculine and feminine within myself, but then also, you know, where I come from and the people that raised me. But that in and of itself still is so black and white and it's so, Mm -hmm. you know, pre-programmed. Um, that I think, like you, I don't, I, I don't really think I have like a really good answer for it. I only know what yeah. like it has felt like for me.
0: One hundred percent, and I also think sometimes it's hard because it, there's there's a difference between like identity, like how do you identify versus. Yes. Gender versus sexuality. And yeah. I think a lot of times people get them intertwined or they interchange them or they're confused by them, but they're such different and specific things. And also, when it comes to like feminine and like masculinity, like to me, when I think about it, I, the energies, I try to use them as tools. You know, I have the, and I think, and I think every single human being has feminine energy and masculine energy. And if we sort of open up to what that could be, we can use them as different tools. Like there's attributes of masculine energy. But when I say that, I don't think like, man, I just think what are the right. ad- what are the attributes of masculine, which is like, you know, being assertive or being in a position of authority or putting things out there. And then the divine feminine energy it's no it's being a receiver and being open and sitting in your wisdom and having like your womb energy but that could but a man can have that too you know or non-binary like I feel like we all have it and so I sort of look at it as you know what is the situation I'm in like right now I'm in my as I'm talking right now I'm in my masculine right because I'm I'm Trying to talk from a place of authority, I'm sharing, I'm talking, I'm you know, I'm being here, I'm being present, and I'm and I'm sharing this, this, and this. I'm in my masculine energy, but when you're talking, I switch. I'm in my feminine energy because I'm receiving you, I'm holding space for you, I'm I'm listening to you, I'm 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 submitting, you know, and not in like the negative ways. So I kind of look at the the energies as what are the attributes of them, and how can I use them as as positive tools in my life. But I think every human being has access to it. But I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier with like the the negative parts about media where we're taught, this is what a man is. This is what a woman is. And then we get confused and we lose and we get sort of conditioned to think of it as only one way or only one thing, or this is what this means that we sort of cut ourselves short and we don't tap into the power of your divine masculine and your divine feminine that I think every human being has access to because of toxic messaging around what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean yeah. to be a woman? What's right? What's wrong? And it gets really muddled, you know, and yeah. that's why you have the people who are so stifled where it's like, what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman or what it means to be non-binary or whatever the case may be it's so beautiful and so unique and individual. And it's whatever it is to you, you know, nobody else has the authority to tell me what it means to be a woman. You know what I mean? I decide what it means to be a woman. You know, I get to decide (laughs) how I express myself, you know?
1: Yes, absolutely. And like the, the more we can undo a pre-programming of that perception, the wider that experience can become. It's so funny how you were talking about like, as you're speaking versus as you're listening, because recently I've been doing more speaking engagements and I find that I become the best listener when I listen from my inner child. And my inner child, I don't perceive gender when I tap into that. You know, I perceive cu- like pure curiosity. And it reminds me of, you know, middle school in Brussels where. I was meeting children from all over the entire world and it was I think of that time kind of as the pre-stage of me truly being conditioned into the type of woman I was raised to be and we start that so early I think I heard something yeah. like you know it starts at like 7 or somewhere between like 7 and 11 years old where we you know you we, we children start mimicking the constructs of feminine masculine that were that they're being raised into. Mm -hmm. But I'm really trying to undo a lot of those things. And the more I do, the more I find that I'm capable of providing space of receiving a person as whoever they are, whoever they might be. And of course, that is an ever like, you know, like a a constant process that I don't think I'll ever be done with in my life. Even, Mm -hmm. you know, due to my own scars and my own trauma that I experienced, there's so much preconditioning there as well Mm -hmm. that taints that. But I think some of the best work we can do, like you said, is like not box ourselves in, in that sense, because then we can experience ourselves and experience others for who they truly are. And, you know, I have lived a life where I did not get to be a full version of myself because yeah. there was no space being provided for it. and I have carried the scars away from that and I wouldn't change that experience for the world because it I think it was the only way for me in life to truly have an understanding for what it can cost a person when there isn't space being provided for them and for self-expression or material for self-recognition, self-identification, where children, much younger than what i was actually get to choose yeah and i understand what what that feels like i i have you know i have paid the price for it and i can truly say that i refuse to be a you know per, perpetrator of that yeah. and mm-hmm. i know that sometimes i i will be there's no helping it but I can dedicate a life towards undoing that for the benefit of everybody around me and the generations coming after me. Yeah. Do you
0: have any guidance for people who may feel, you know, how you felt like sort of stifled and there wasn't a safe space for them or they're or they're not really able to tap into who they are, you know, if someone's watching or listening and they're like, well, I feel like that, you know, I feel like I can't be myself and I, and I can't find acceptance. Do you have any guidance on what they can do to start either their healing process or getting to that
1: place? One of the things that really helped me back then when I was experiencing a lot of pain because of that was that, Knowing that the things that hurt us and the things that cause us pain, they don't feel right for a very specific reason. And they are the best indicators towards who we truly are at our core. And that indicator can't be wrong because you know that those emotions, you're not imagining them, you know, that pain, those experiences that it feels truer than anything else in the in the most negative unpleasant way of course but ultimately later on i realized that they were the true gift that actually helped me get out of that was because they reminded me they were pointers towards who i have always been and who i never was capable of being Mm -hmm. and that nobody can take away from you and that was something i i like i hung on to for a long time yeah in order to kind of dig myself out of that place
0: yeah and i i agree i think that sometimes the pain can definitely be an indication of trying to point you out of the wrong direction like it hurts it hurts go away from this to go to who you truly are to go to who you truly are so i think if people are experiencing that i think just like you said a lot of things like one you could reach out to maybe like a therapist or a counselor even um a spiritual guide or a religious person if that's what people believe in there's all types of ways to get help and to get someone to talk to there's online you know there's different like social groups online that you could connect to if you're in a place where you feel like, you know, no one around me looks like me or, you know, I go to school and I'm the odd person out. I go home, I'm the odd person out. Now, thank goodness we have technology where we can find people on Facebook or different groups. And of course, you know, suss it out and make sure it's safe. But there's online support. There's hotlines. There's support groups. There's sage, you know, groups like that. (laughs) Go and say, oh, wow, there's a whole community of people. Who are like me, you know, and then they can help you work through that. So I think those are some things we can do when we kind of feel isolated or alone or the pain is to seek that professional help and then also seek out that community. If it's if you can't go there physically, go there online. You know, there's online groups and virtual groups and all of that stuff. It's just to have someone to talk to to get it out of you, you know. Also, I love journaling, you know, journal stuff down. Like, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I was talking to my therapist this week, and we're talking about I have therapy right
1: after this. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. so I'm a huge proponent of therapy, and she was like, Candy, you think you need to journal that one this week? And I was like, all (laughs) right yeah she was like I think you might want to journal that one out and I and then I was like all right I'm on my bullshit like (laughs) I mean I'm on some bullshit (laughs) calling me out on it journal it this week you know so it's good you're like
1: like, let me just uh you know get my ball pen. here we go (laughs) like
0: okay so I'm regressing right now got it (laughs) I am I am now in my wounding I'm not in my healing got it like you know so I think that's good and you know and find Um, safe people to talk to it about, because part of healing, like you said, you you feel like you're going to be dealing with it forever. It's true. Healing is a process. You know, you don't just get to one place and you're like I'm healed done. No, it's a life. It's a life of healing. And it shouldn't sound, and that shouldn't be discouraging. I think that should be encouraging. So, you know, that you, you can always go back to your tools to take care of yourself. You can always, you know, heal and you can always, you know, find that peace and find that community and find that support within people and just realize, you know what, this is life and that's okay. There's no there there. I don't have to rush my healing and be healed and then I'm perfect. No, it's I'm on a healing journey. And I think uh, the healing journey is life. And I think a part of the healing journey is this, like we said, that return to home. And I think returning to home to me just really means really, really, loving yourself unconditionally. So even when I don't like myself, because there are days when I'm like, I'm done with the candy. <laughs> you, candy. Know, like, I'm done with you, girl. You know, like even on the days where I don't like myself, when I'm not being, you know, all of that, when I just, you know, we all have days where we're just whatever. For sure. At the core of it though, I still love myself. I can still remind myself, you know what, you're being really critical right now. How about you show yourself some love you know you're really judging yourself right now you know why don't you self-soothe why don't you do some affirmations why don't you journal why don't you call a friend why don't you take a nap <laughs> you know why don't you just you know say something kind about yourself because at the core of it i still get to be human i'm going to make mistakes i'm not going to get it right there will be messy days there'll be sad days there'll be depressed days but then there'll also be joyful days and happy days and loving days and all of that stuff. But at the core of it, if I really truly love myself unconditionally, I think that's really what it's about. That, you know, if I identify as woman, great, as man, great, non-binary, great, cool, whatever. But at the core, I think we all are just divine beings We're a part of essence or consciousness or whatever you want to call it. And that's, identity list That's formless. It's not non-binary. It's not woman. It's not man. It's none of it. It's just, it's pure love, pure love consciousness. And I think that it exists in all of us. And we're just having this unique human experience. But to get back to home is remembering who lives inside of you, that divinity. And I don't mean God in like this religious structure way. I really mean that collective consciousness of just love and that's why two men can love each other two women you know man and woman whatever it may be because at the core of it we're all the same consciousness and that's really what it's about that's why you get a feeling about somebody somebody's energy somebody's essence you know you fall in love with their soul and their spirit because we're all from the same but it's the illusion and it's the programming and it's the toxicity that makes us think that we're separate from each other and that we're divided from each other. But there's really no separation. We're all the same, and I think we're all trying just to remember that. And that's what the journey is. That's what I think, at
1: least. <laughs> yeah. I think that too. <laughs> I think that too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like the all of you know how they say like. You are not emotions. You have emotions. And I think exactly. all of the highest highs and the lowest lows of life, again, they're just pointers towards that underlying current that is always consistent. That is that is that like coming home to yourself and mm-hmm. a way to get through those really low lows is to remind yourself, even though I am in this, even though I am experiencing this thing, you know, I... I choose to love, honor, and accept myself through mm-hmm. it because there is never, you know, the, there's it's always going to be consistent up and down, both because it keeps us in balance and keeps us redirecting towards what is always there underneath it all, underneath all the emotions, underneath all of the beliefs that we might have about ourselves mm-hmm. and that. To me, is the biggest comfort that I have come to Aww. know in my life. You know, no, I agree with you, and it's like, like you said, you know, you
0: you're feeling your emotions aren't you? You have your emotions, and and I used to struggle with, um, I used to be very, very codependent, so I really struggled with my own humanity. I struggled with being like this hurt me, or I am angry, or I don't like that, or saying no. And then I had to learn that, like, I have my feelings, my feelings don't have me, that I can be (laughs) angry. It doesn't mean I'm going to become an angry person because I was so fearful of experiencing the fullness of my humanity. I was being delusional and numbing myself like, no, I'm happy, joyful all the time. And it's like, no, that's delusion. That's a fantasy. You're a divine being, but you're having a human experience. And a part of the human experience is both the good and the bad. It's the light and the dark. It's the shadow and the light. It's all of it. So you're allowed to feel all of the feelings. You're allowed to say, I'm really pissed off. That really hurt me. Or I'm angry. Or I feel embarrassed right now. Or I feel ashamed right now. Or I feel guilt right now. But then knowing that you have the tools to work through it, to identify, well, why do I feel ashamed? Why do I feel embarrassed? What's that about? And then work through it to get back to, nope, I'm intrinsically valuable. I'm lovable. I'm worthy. I'm enough. Blah, 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 blah just know that you have the tools to work through all of the emotions and the feelings and a part of being an evolved human being is allowing yourself to experience all of it. Like the entire rainbow, you just don't want to see, I don't know, yellow. You want to see all of the colors, right? Yeah. And that's what I. That's what it's like. That's the part of the human experience. You want the whole spectrum of emotions. You know, you can't just say I only want the happy. Well, then you're numbing yourself out to everything else and you're not actually happy. Because, you know, you can't have the rainbow with only one color, you know?
1: Especially yeah. the growth part, you know? Exactly. I think we can all agree that some of the trickiest situations in our lives produce the biggest growth, actually pushed us the hardest. And when you look back on it, you're like, would I change it, though? Even though like, really, really painful stuff, I personally always say no, I wouldn't.
0: I I, I would change some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay well you know let's journal on that one too <laughs> no, no, exactly right
0: can't to journal that you know, you know, no, I mean that's
1: perfectly you know and that just isn't saying that whatever happened to us certain things that they were ever right, right you know yeah. but there's a difference between recognizing that yes this happened yes, it was wrong. This should have never happened or this should have never been done or this should have never been this way. Yeah. And still I can look back on it and I, for my own personal sake, I can say that I can still choose yes. to be at peace with it because yeah. that is where you take your power back.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%. And I also, I agree with you 100% with that. And also when you can show appreciation to suffering... That's when you get the wisdom. You know, when you can say, I went through this horrible time and I suffered through this, but I appreciate it because now I know this about myself. Now I have this tool. Now I have this piece of wisdom. Now I have this experience. Now I have whatever it is. And I think when you show appreciation to suffering, not that you want to suffer or you choose suffering, just like you said, but you can be at peace with when you did suffer. I think that's huge and i and i agree with you 100% on
1: that i for a long time i always said my deepest moments of suffering in my life have taught me the most truthful things about humanity
0: mm-hmm. and
1: have opened my eyes to huge aspects of what it means to be a human not within my not just within myself but within all of the people around me and ultimately it made me connect on a level that I would have been incapable of had I not made that experience. And this might not be the most enlightened way to think of it sometimes, but this helps me sometimes is that I think, okay, some of the people that maybe hold a little more privilege than me, the privilege of not having made certain experiences that I was pushed into due to my own identity and my own positioning in the world, what I have on them is that understanding of what it means to be a human because I see it in other people that that is one aspect that they are asleep towards Mm -hmm. and they might never get the gift in life to unlearn that for themselves or to recognize that within others. And then sometimes I think maybe that is my chosen path in life. Maybe that is the experience I was sent down here onto this earth to make, because ultimately healing from something like that goes way beyond just who I am and not even just like the people around me or the children that I might raise one day, but I see it in my mother. I see it in my grandmother. Like I see it in the generation that's came before me because sometimes I think, well, maybe in my heritage line, somebody like me somebody as gay as non-binary as like in like incapable of fitting into that pre-programmed structure that we have been running for generations maybe Mm -hmm. somebody had to come along like me that was so incapable of fitting into that structure that had to experience the amount of pain that i did in order to break out of it yeah it's a disruptor,
0: and it's also um not to get too frou-frou but i believe that you know people like us within our families, we're the ones that break the generational curse. Because when you heal yourself, when you learn to love yourself, you break. And by curse, I mean like, you know, from generation to generation of, you know, fitting into the box, not feeling good enough, X, Y, and Z. You know, everybody has certain things in their family. But when you learn to love yourself and you are in your own healing journey, you break the cycle of it, you know? So then your home will be a safe space, you know? And then I also, just like you said, on my own journey, I have seen my own family members change based Me on too. the fact that I changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I mean by you You break that, the family trauma, you, make, you break the, the
1: generational curse through like your own healing, you know? That's like a collective consciousness growth. Yep. Which does take intergenerational yes. trauma. I truly believe that.
0: Very, very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's things that are, you know, passed from generation to generation to generation yep. until it takes a person who says, you know what? Not me. You know, I, I know I had, things, I had to do
1: stuff. It's crazy but- when you realize certain things are so much bigger than just us as individuals, isn't it? And then you sit there and you're 100%. like... Oh, <laughs> you, you were
0: here for. We were sitting here for a Look
1: reason
0: <laughs> you, you know, break certain curses in our family by curses. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, mm. and stuff like that. So it's great.
1: Oh, you- egoic <laughs> self.
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, you are such a beautiful light. I've had so much fun oh, talking to you, and yeah, and just you know, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and all of your insights with us. So our last two things before we wrap it up, one is what's one last kernel or wisdom or nugget that you want to leave with us, either something we already talked about or something new that you just want to make sure we hear and understand. And then secondly, where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? And any insights around that?
1: Well, um, I love how deep we went today. My God, I, you Usually it's like, okay, well, tell me about your photography. (laughs) But you know what? All of the stuff we talked about today, it is at the essence of what I choose to dedicate my life towards, which just happens to be photography. Because I found that that is my tool of making, giving people access to that in my life and and in my career and in the life that I'm planning to live on this this earth. And um, I... Like I said, I grew up not having access to these things, not seeing visual representation of people that actually made me feel like myself. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, paying a hefty price for living so many years of my life, not being provided space for feeling like who I show up as, as my authentic self, is good enough. And that is what I desire to give to people because I truly believe that, that is one of my purposes here, and I truly believe that the experiences that I have had in my life were given to me in order to enable me to really understand how to do that for others, and 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 do it for myself. Obviously, like I have to start there first. Yeah. But for all of your listeners, if that is something that they are interested in experiencing for themselves, or gifting to themselves, and um, stepping into, and they don't really know how to do that, I would love to be a part of that journey for some people the photo shoots i do with people i recently started asking more specifically you know what what really did change and it ultimately is not just that they experienced a space where they feel like they can be good enough they can step into a visual empowered self of themselves so you know having photographs of yourself where you can look at yourself and you recognize that you're allowing yourself a a wider definition of who you are and having it visually documented and captured Mm. can have a momentous impact in how we show up in our day-to-day life, how we show up in our businesses, whether you're an entrepreneur that is starting their own business. Having images where you see your power reflected back at you has an immense power and i want to give that to people i want to enable people to step into that so if that is something people are interested in they might just not know how to find access to that i would love it if people reach out to me and um yeah instagram is always a great place where i you know i show a lot of depth of what that process looks like <laughs> um and if you guys want to see my work i think my website is the best place just for the art curation side of things you'll see a lot of amazing faces there of people that have made that experience with me that I was able to give that experience to um, yeah. and yeah overall it's just creating a safe space that ultimately I think the art itself will give you a little bit of a glimpse at what it must feel like because I think it really does show in a person in the way that I am gifted access to them and ultimately am able to capture them that takes a two way straight and that is what we're interested in creating for it. literally everybody that wants it wants it i love it yeah <laughs> and everybody
0: watching and listening i will have um their instagram and website linked down below in the show notes in the description box but do you want to just say it for anybody who's just like listening just say what your handle is and your website just to make sure they can grab it
1: Yes, it's very easy. It's literally just my first name and my last name on Instagram. It's just Sophie Kitzman. And then the website is also SophieKietzman.com. And there's my email on there. And you guys can slide in my DMs or whatever you guys
0: like. (laughs) Slide in the DMs.
1: Slide in. Slide
0: right on in. Come
1: say hi to me.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it all. Thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful, beautiful time together. And I know everybody listening and watching, you got so much out of this discussion, you know, just about coming back to home, homecoming. That who you are, uniquely, imperfectly perfect is enough. You're worthy of love and you're here for a reason. And that reason is to remember your divinity. So thank you so, so much. And also, you guys, don't forget before you head out. If you need more support, we have tons of self-love and self-care and lifestyle design courses down below. You can also book some one-on-one time with me, join our free newsletter, and pick up your free self-love guide as well. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. Also, uh, follow us on all of our podcast platforms. Like the video if you're watching and leave it, and rate and review if you're listening on the podcast platforms. I love you guys. And, I've, and as always, take care of yourself and each other.
1: I love
0: you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Candy. Thank you. Hold on. Welcome to Sugar Pills, a practical guide to self-care, where your host, writer, actor, and producer, Candy Washington, helps you live a more joyful life with a cheeky dash of pop culture news. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and join the conversation on Instagram at Candy Washington. Let's go.